Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a wonderful guest. You would have heard her on the podcast from wise to wise if you listened just a couple of months ago. Uh, Susan Morrill is a two-time published author who has lived in California, New York, Chicago, Utah, and Arizona, and she recently moved back to her home state of Ohio. Her nomadic lifestyle, spiritual mindset, and well-developed sense of self-care rewarded her with enriching stories, constructive lessons, and valuable insights about life. She is a strong advocate for using self-reflection to get to know thyself, make better choices, and release outdated thinking. To put it simply, she says, I use hindsight to create foresight. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hi, Heidi. It's good to be back. It is great to have you back. And Thanks so much for saying yes to this series. I know that it's a very vulnerable topic and one that some uh, folks have had to contemplate a bit, but mm-hmm. this series is really called The Divorce Diaries, and the intention is to host real, unfiltered conversations with women who have been through divorce and the heartbreak of divorce and who have spent time healing through it and creating their comeback. It's a mm-hmm. series of hope, inspirations, tips, and truths to help others on this journey know that all feelings are valid. All experiences are valid and there is no, there is just so much more in the next chapter if you choose to heal. So thank you for being willing to step in to the spotlight here and share your tidbits because every divorce story is truly unique. So we always start the series with that, um, telling as little or as much about your divorce story as you'd wish. So I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Well, my story was I didn't get married till I was 35. So when and I was divorced less than four years after I got married. So my story, I was afraid I wouldn't relate because of that time frame and everything. But I also, when I met him, I picked him up in a pub in Edinburgh, Scotland, and he moved to New York and we got married. And it wasn't until after we were married, I discovered he, he was a drinker. And he was a binge drinker. And so we we dealt with that. But when you're in the midst of it, you don't realize you're in the midst of a problem relationship. You're just doing things. And I found myself lying for him and covering up and not being myself. And so at one point, I finally said, you know, you've got to straighten up. And he tried to and he didn't. And by then, I realized it was time for me to move on. I was able to do that because I had already been independent for a number of years as an adult. But so in 1984, we were married. In 1988, we were divorced. And we went our separate ways at that point. So it was a short-lived marriage. And yeah, there were repercussions, but it might be different than some of the women. I don't know. I hope I can offer some help. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think I think the important thing about this is a couple things that you that you've just shared and that is number 1, I really don't think that there's any timeline. I know people who have been married for a couple of weeks, 
people who have been married for a couple of years and people have been married for quite a few decades. And regardless of where you're at, every experience is unique, but there is pain that comes with that because there's the the trust element and the love element. Like all these emotions that are really, really high on the human emotional spectrum are involved in usually in our selection process for our partner. And when it comes to that point where there's the separation of, oh man, we look at ourselves and go, how did I get here? How, How did this happen so fast, so quickly? And so what I love about your story is really giving our listeners permission to go, there's really no set amount of time that we have to put on mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. to realize. And, and the other thing that I love about what you said is that you had established a strong independence prior to marriage. And that right. is something that I can honestly say I thought I had done. I was thriving in my career path, all out on, you know, doing my thing. And mm-hmm. but I really I had always had a partner. I had always, I mean, from high school to college, got out of college, got engaged, got married. Like I had never really sat in the solo space or the independent Mm. space until I got divorced. And it was the first time that I had to go, who am I? What do I like? What do I want? What do I not like? What do I not want? All that identity stuff, releasing blame, releasing shame, releasing guilt. So what I love about your story is that there was this set uh, steadiness of independence Mm -hmm. to permission yourself to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to sit in this longer than I need to. I'm not going to question my worth. And maybe you did some of that. um, Absolutely. Right. But there really was this like, something this this is not okay for me this is not my standards i deserve better than this alcoholism in my life like over and over and over again i'm going to do something with it and i'm going to get out now and a lot of people wait so mm-hmm. i just think in that short amount of time there's so many lessons that you just shared with us just in sharing that little bit of your story well in hearing you put it that way i realize my story even in those few four uh, short years it was just a compact version of what a lot of other women I'm sure are going through. I just went through him in a shorter amount of time yeah. because I did love him. And I even had an inkling before we were married, as we were driving to Ohio from New York for the wedding and he was sleeping off a drunk And my first experience of him sleeping off, being out the night before and getting home. And I'm mad. We're heading to Ohio. We're getting married this weekend. And I thought, this is how it's going to be. I heard this voice and I'm like, I could have turned around right then and said no. But my rationalization came in and the bottom line was I loved him and I wanted to be married to him. And I wanted all that that implied and meant to me. And I took it seriously. I didn't want to just say, oh, well, this would be easy to say, you know, well, we're not getting married now. That How fair was that? So I went through all that thinking. In a, while driving on Highway 80 to Ohio, you know, and I married him and I didn't know it was a problem when I was in the midst of it. He was what was called a binge drinker. He could drink socially and be fine. Mm. And then all of a sudden there'd be months go by and then he'd be two, three nights in a row. He wouldn't be home or be homeless. So it created a different set of problems than I was used to. I was working full time. What happened though was I experienced a lack, a loss of integrity 
again, I say hindsight is important because I tell you all this only because I've looked back at it. I didn't realize I was lying for him and covering up for him. That's so not who I am. And I was, you know, feeling that kind of uh, distance from friends because I wasn't sharing what I was experiencing with him because I figured, oh, this is normal. I'm supposed to protect him and this and that. So it was all I was living it and not realizing what it was doing to me while I was experiencing it. And I think that's going to be true for a lot of you don't know when you're in the middle of the forest that, you know, there's something else out there that you're just experiencing what you're experiencing. Do you feel like it's kind of like love blinders? Oh, you put on these like foggy glasses to kind of go, hold on, I I must be, you convince yourself that what you're thinking and what you're feeling isn't actually true because you don't want to believe that about that person that you care so deeply about. I think there's that some of it, absolutely. And it's not so much, yeah, blinders, rose colored. There's so many ways to to identify it. But um, what it boiled down to, to me, it became a matter of trust. And you would use the word trust when you were talking earlier. And that's what it became for me. I didn't trust him as as he did it more and more. I, I found myself doing things like driving around. He's at that bar, go getting the keys from the car. I didn't want to become that woman, but he'd say he wouldn't, he would change. I'll go to get some help. But I didn't trust him to do that because he kept just he kept blowing that trust, you know, week after week. So for me, it wasn't about how much I loved him. Mm. Love to me, I realized that's that's great. And I it's it's nice to have, but I can't be with someone I can't trust. And who doesn't respect me, things he was saying, verbal abuse I was getting from him in reaction to my, you know, talking to him about his problem. So I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, I think it's more than love. For me, it's more than whether I loved him or not. I I really appreciate that you say that because I can't remember what quote it was. It was an Oprah quote of some sorts at one point. And it was something like, you can love someone and let them go. You can love someone and know that they're no longer a part of your next chapter. You can love right. someone. And I think that that's really, really important to know because I I definitely loved my ex-husband when we separated. I loved him and, and I, I still hope that he's doing what he needs to do with his life and, and moving on and all those things. I don't wish ill mm-hmm. on him. Oh, exactly. Um, but what you're talking about, I think, is a really important thing that I think most people think that they know the answer to. But I've done this exercise recently a okay. lot, and I'm still whittling it away. And that is a practice of knowing your top values and how they fit into your life. And definitely, definitely for me, it is trust it is loyalty, it is respect, 100% those three things. And there are a lot. I mean, if you guys just Google core values list, I mean, you can Google it and there will be like a hundred words that pop up. It's a really, really, and there's probably a million lists out there too. It's an interesting practice to try to narrow it down to what I call the core four or even five, Um, less than 10, less than 10. For yeah. your life. And then if you're an entrepreneur for your business, and and a lot of times those two are very close, but they can have a couple of differences. So I think that for me, it's those and, and, and the fact that you've separated love from them, from those values, I think is so important because it's a totally different function of it. 
Right. Love is, it's like this big umbrella. And it, I mean, we love chocolate ice cream. We love doggies and puppies and stuff. It's, it's almost an over, we need another word because that word is used so much that when you're talking about the kind of love that you want to bring to a relationship that you want to last for a lifetime, that's a whole different kind of love. Yeah. And yet sometimes it's thrown around and used and abused and whatever. So to me, the weight of that love is not enough to make mean this relationship has to last forever. Yeah. It just means that it brought me and Stuart together. We experienced part of our life together. And then we went our separate ways, like you said. And it's how we did that, how we navigated the divorce that says who I am, who he is as, a, as individuals. How are we able to move forward? Mm. And I was able, it took a while. It wasn't easy by any means. It took time and everything. But um, I wish the best for him too. We reconnected about 10 years after the divorce. Oh. I hadn't heard from him. He'd moved back to Britain and he called me once. And I realized it was him on the phone. And it was awkward at first. And, I bet. <laughs> and it was. It's like, hello, how you doing? And all this stuff. And then we start talking. Um, my mom had died. His brother had died. We're comparing notes, health issues and all this. And then it got back to the fun stuff. Like we used to, he courted me while he was still in Scotland when we first met. So we had those fun conversations on the phone and we fell in love over the phone. And then the end of the conversation, within an hour, it was back to that awkwardness again. We uh -huh. kind of talked through it all. and. As he was saying goodbye, he says, well, this was nice. Is it okay if I call again? And from habit, I almost said, oh, sure. But I stopped myself. And I said, you know what, Stuart? I don't think so. I said, I've enjoyed getting knowing that you're okay now, letting you know I'm okay. But I think our time is over, and I don't think mm -hmm. we should stretch this any further. And he was a little surprised, I think, but I, we ended it right there. And I was so proud of myself after that for first, because I, it would have been very, oh, sure, go ahead, call. I didn't want him to call again because we had we had, had the last talk. Yes. And I, got, I was curious about him. I'm, of course, I'm curious. I hope he's okay. But I'm not going to try to find him and rekindle that. Our, we moved beyond it. Yeah. And I was so glad I had that opportunity that he gave me that opportunity by calling me. Wow. I, that's really, really powerful for so many people to hear because a lot, I think a lot of the people listening struggle with what you're talking about, but struggle mm. with it in the beginning phases, especially yeah. in the beginning phases yeah. of like, should I stay connected? Should I keep talking? Should we keep, you know, maybe we can be friends, all this kind of thing. And mm. I know for me, the distance was key. The, like yes. the, the choice was, and we probably, I don't, I don't know. Not, I shouldn't say that. I couldn't have stayed friends with him. He could have stayed friends with me, like yeah. Stuart said, like, oh, I'll just call again. I'll just call again when I feel like it. But yeah. for me, it was like every single time that we would hang out as quote unquote friends, my heart was breaking the next day for weeks yeah. at a time. Yeah. And that was my intuition saying, this is not healthy for you. This is not healing for right. you. You should not continue down this path. And I think that one of the things that I would encourage folks to do is work on your intuition. Work yes. on trusting yourself 
first so that when these moments yes. pop up of do I, don't I, will I, won't I, you with, without much hesitation, the more that you strengthen that intuitive muscle, it's, I, I call it the visceral yes and the visceral no, it's a body-based yeah. knowing. And there are ways to actually strengthen that muscle. Yeah. And I teach that in my coaching practice, but I think it's really interesting that the more we can do that, you got that intuitive hit, like, you know what? Thanks for calling. This will be the last time we talk. And in, in, in living in tune with your values too, right? Saying it in a way that felt respectful and trusting of yourself. Like if I have so many women that say like, I just want to be able to trust myself again. Well, you have to listen to your intuition and act on it. Whether it feels like what everybody else wants you to do or not, it's like if you strengthen your trust muscle when you do what your intuition is asking you to do and you just keep showing up for it and it goes, oh, I can trust you. I can trust you. I can trust you again. And yes. and to me, that's that's a big part of healing. Absolutely. I mean, it is intuition. I call it my soul voice. I mean, I've learned to listen to her over the years and more and more I recognize her the minute I, she's whispering in my ear or she's yelling at me sometimes. <laughs> and it's about the littlest things about whether to turn right or left or should I go to this store or that store? And you think, oh, that's nothing. But the universe doesn't have degrees of, well, this is a more important message. It's just a message. Mm. So if you start, if you if you work that muscle by listening to the little messages, when the big messages come through, you'll be right there for them too. And you'll mm. recognize that, that is, this is a bigger message. And I am supposed to do something about this. So listen to it and all its different degrees, whether it's for fun things to do or important decisions to make. You mentioned at the beginning that a lot of this uh, intuitive, introspective stuff that I've done has helped me to identify and make choices and to know when I should let go of habits or let go of ways of thinking. They're outdated. They don't apply to me anymore. I'm not that 25-year-old, that 35-year-old. Yes. Sometimes I wish I were, but I'm not. And you just have to let go. You don't have to think that way. Yeah. At this point in your life. I love that because I think another part of the healing journey for me was I've been able to give myself grace knowing that that was the version of me that chose my ex-husband was a different version, a much different, different yes. version of me now. It, she was 21, 22 years old and she oh, was living yeah. the college life and she was, she was still trying to figure it out and she still had so many insecurities. And, you know, I, I think that there was this like societal pressure to graduate, get a good job, get married. And so it was just constantly without questioning anything about myself or societal norms without questioning any of that. You know, there's not a college course that says like how to learn more about yourself in your life before you get married, which would be a great course for somebody to teach. <laughs> there you go. That's for you. There right. You go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think it would, I think it would really truly create better, deeper partnerships and relationships with friends and uh, so many different things. If we were taught how to explore our humanness in high school and uh, and college years because uh, the teen years through the twenty years is just a whole opportunity for uncovering and discovering. But we don't do it because we're so busy, just like in the heat of it all, at trying to just do more, be more, prove more. You know, it's just it's so much. 
And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And yet at the same time as I'm hearing you say it, because I, I would be saying the same, I'm saying, but we have to experience that at some point. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to know what I know now then, but would I have listened to that then? And how would I, I something else would have happened that would have thrown me off course anyway. Yeah. And and then you also talked about, you know, the, the societal things. I I was brought up, my mother, God bless her, she never put those pressures on me. I used yeah. to ask her a lot. You know, I was the oldest and my cousins were getting married and having kids. And before my sister, my younger sister's wedding, I said, Mom, does it bother you that I'm not married yet and everybody's having kids? She goes, oh, my gosh, Susan, no, I'm living vicariously through you. Do what you want. If you want it, go for it. But don't do it for me. Mm. And I was so grateful to her. And again, in hindsight, because I realized I had I had relatives who were telling my aunts that were telling my cousins, oh, you know, you have to go to prom. You have to do that. My mother said, if you do it, if she supported me, if I wanted it. Yeah. But she didn't. She didn't get on my case if I didn't have it. And she supported me when I got married and she supported me when I got divorced and she she got it. Yeah. So I was lucky in that sense. Mm. So I would, um, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways we get to where we're at when we get in that divorce stage. The history we've had, the number of years we've had, our family, there was never a divorce in my family, you know, and all this. So yeah, there's so much to take into consideration. And I would just say, let all that go. Don't, don't take all that on you as you're going through your divorce. Mm. because that's a heavy weight. You're already going through something that's so heavy to your heart and soul. Take it a day at a time and just don't try to find out why it happened and why did I do wrong? You didn't. Mm. You didn't. Just be gentle with yourself. That's huge. That's huge. Oh my gosh. And that kind of lends me to another question that I've got, which is, and maybe this is it, but what would you tell your newly divorced self in hindsight, like from this healed version of you, what would you tell your newly divorced self? I well, I would tell her you're going to be okay. Yeah, uh, knowing that I am okay. Yeah, and I would tell her that you know you you didn't do anything wrong by going into the marriage. You didn't do anything wrong by supporting him as your husband and hoping, helping him, trying to get him to heal, but don't beat yourself up. It's you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's I love I love what you said just before that too. Just like be gentle with yourself. Yes. Yeah. I, I have this phrase, like you can bully yourself or you can bestie yourself. And oh, um, you have two choices. You can really yeah. beat yourself down or you can really lift yourself up and it's up to you to do it. It's up to you to choose it because your brain is just going to come at you from all angles. And I'm sorry for interrupting. I was just going to say the voices that are coming at you aren't always yours. Some are yours because you've created them from the voices around you, Mm -hmm. the loved ones who are trying to help you, the teachers, the the counselors, whatever. Make sure it's really your true voice and not the habitual voices that have been feeding you all your life. Mm. Because you may be listening to a voice and it's really... Somebody else who's giving you advice that doesn't fit right now. 
Yeah. So this is, again, being true to yourself. And and it's not easy. It's not knowing that if you've never taken the time to do that for yourself. You know, you, you said something about, you know, how not to be upset with yourself years ago. I mean, this is like in my t- mid-20s. I read a book called How to Be Your Own Best Friend. And it was this itty-bitty little like quarter of an inch paperback that came out. And my mom threw it in a box to me when she sent me books in, when I was living in New York. And I'm 20-some years old and I'm reading How to Be Your Own Best Friend. And it re- to this day, I go and refer to it. It's like all dog Because it hit me in my mid-20s when I guess I was going through that kind of introspection and not knowing it. Yeah. But it made me start thinking about, it's up to me. I'm the adult now. I'm not a kid. I can't fall back on my the adults in my life to give me the answers. And the answers they want to give me may not be right for me. I have to listen to my adult voice. Mm. So that book helped me. And I don't even know if it's still in print, but it re- but there are other books out there. Everybody will find something that as you're reading it, it'll resonate with you. Yeah. And it'll help you to get to those places you need to get to, to be comfortable in the divorce situation and being by yourself again, or whatever that might mean for you in a divorce. I just love, even if that book isn't available anymore, you know, just a question to yourself of how can I be my own best friend? What would that look like for me? Who do I need to be to be that kind to myself, to be the kind of person that I want to be with? Because I had, I interviewed somebody one time on the podcast and we were talking about how to, I can't remember the exact topic, but it was something like how to fall in love again. And we were talking about why people feel lonely. And she said something that just made me, it, it floored me. And she said, I think people get lonely because they don't like who they're with when they're alone. Because <laughs> who you're with when you're alone is yourself. Right. And so if you can't deeply love and have that deep friendship with yourself when you are alone, we need to start there because- Every other relationship surrounding you in your life comes from that space. I mean, that was just a mic drop for me. Like she said, well, who who are you with when you're alone? Wow. I'm a solitude person. I believe in the meditation, solitude, and being by my own. And well, you've even seen my first book, The Pleasure of My Company. It's about spending time alone. And I talked to that. And It's the whole idea that, you know, why do we have noise around? Why do we have to have stuff plugged in our ears? And why do we have to have radio, TV, whatever on? I take drives for hours with nothing on because it's in those moments I ask my readers, what are you afraid of hearing? Who are you afraid of hearing in the silence? Is it something, are you going to have to talk to yourself now? And think of it as a three-way conversation, me, myself, and I. And maybe have those conversations. Well, me, I would like to do this, but this one wants to do this. So we have different aspects of ourselves. Mm. Have those self-talk conversations with yourself. Yeah. But really identify what it is you're uncomfortable with about yourself and why you're acting the way you're doing or what you're doing. But unless you are, like you say, comfortable in your own skin, that doesn't mean it's going to be there every day. Every day you may have to remind yourself. Yeah, I still have those moments where I'm like, oh, man, you know, and I have to tell myself, you know, Susan, you're going to get through it. It's just another day. You know, we all have those. It's called being human. 
<laughs> yep. Yep. I think those un- I think those uncomfortable spots are really important to identify for two reasons. The first one is if we don't identify what those uncomfortable spaces are, then yeah. I believe that the growth happens in the uncomfortable spaces, in the unknown spaces. Yeah. The yeah. second part is if we don't realize that part of it, that that's where the growth and the gains can appear, then we will try to use those uncomfortable situations and uncertainties to fill it in with someone or something outside of ourselves. Uh, yeah. And that is where we get into deep, deep trouble when we are trying to outsource those things that we need to take care of inside of ourselves. Right. And and that's so unfair to those others. I mean, maybe it's your ex. Are you putting too much on what he or she represented in your life? Right. And then it becomes blame. You have to take ownership that part of the reason this relationship is coming to an end, you are part of that. Oh, yeah. Whether you've made the decision to do it, whether the other one made the decision to do it, but you had an active role in that relationship. Yes. And you can go back and dissect where did it break down? How was he treating me? How was she? There's so much involved in that. You can't give it a simple answer except to say, take ownership and make sure you're listening to your voice and not the other's voices, but also Hear them when they talk to you, and maybe there's some insight in what they have to say that you can learn about yourself because mm. you they're giving you feedback into how they see you, and maybe mm-hmm. there's something there for you to learn also. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting exercise to mm-hmm. receive yeah. that kind of feedback and to and to lean into your own curiosities for sure. What are some of the things that divorce really revealed to you or taught you or showed you? Well, like I said, I was independent before that. So it reminded me that I have to come first, that I got into it as a partnership. I firmly believe that it's a marriage. You work together, but it's not at the cost of my individuality. So the divorce helped me get back in touch with that. Another thing was listening to that soul voice more, like we talked about earlier, paying attention to it more, because there were incidences where I put that off as just a voice in my head, but it was telling me something. I also realized that not everyone has a soulmate, or not every marriage has to be lifetime. We live too long. I can't imagine... (laughs) I mean, I, I've known maybe three relationships I can think of right now that I can see going lifetime with, within my friends and family. Mm. But, you know, it's it's the nature of, of the human life right now. And we can't beat ourselves up if it didn't last forever. If we didn't have that fairy tale romance. I never had a fairy tale romance. I never had that. Maybe that says something about me too. I never dreamt of the of the white dress and all that. So I'm giving away more about myself than I meant to. But yeah. But I also learned that I'd rather be alone and love myself than be with someone I can't trust and who doesn't respect me and is hurting mm-hmm. me. That's it. I'm better company than that. Yes. Ooh, that's so good. All of that is so good. And I love the perspective of reminding yourself, getting back in touch with. I think when I think about my program, Joyfully Divorced, and my my catchphrase, which is coordinating your comeback, 
right? Yeah. It yeah. really is this remembrance of who you are and coming back in touch with your roots and your true self. And sometimes that's realizing, in my case, sometimes that's coming to realize. There, there. I think there's that two part. Yes. There's the remembrance and then there is this realization, two mm. different R's. And sometimes you need to lose and shed that connection to come back yes. in touch with what you really are. And sometimes we remember that and sometimes we realize that. I think our whole lives we're here on a spiritual level, like we're here to remember oh. why we're here. And so that takes it to the human level. I mean, yeah, we we got to let go of things, declutter our lives physically. I yes. real I'm I'm a declutter person. I do, I've moved so many times. I don't want a big semi truck to move my stuff. So I I let go of things. I have no problem with that. But it's also figuratively you have to let go of some relationships. Whether I mean even friendships. You know, yeah. there's there's people I've met and I try to keep in touch and they don't get back. I figure maybe that's supposed to be over. You know, yeah. we've been friends. Move on, Susan. You know. I think we have to be able to move forward on our own without in letting go of the, the excess cargo. Why do you think we grip so hard? Because I can think of, especially when you said friendships that really hit, I have mm. a pretty, pretty deep friendship wound that I've realized over the last 15 years that I didn't know was so deep until it was. But mm. I find myself at times gripping onto this uh, this relationship that I just I've I haven't had it for such a long time mm. but that letting go feels it doesn't have to be hard but it feels so almost impossible how do we why why is it so hard to let go sometimes why do you think well that's a good question um what comes to mind for me is because I'm letting go a part of myself I've invested in the relationship. Yeah. And I think we're friends with people because of the similarities that we see. So that's part of me there. And Ooh. the parts of me that I wish I were. Oh, she's more outgoing. So we're good. We're a good match because I'm not. So we balance each other out. So you're losing that part of you that you she filled or he filled for you. You know, in just just your day to day lives. I mean, yeah. I remember. I mean, when I was in my twenties, going to the going to the bars and the dance halls and stuff <laughs> with my friend, my one friend, and she was very outgoing. And I thought I'll be the shadow on this one. You know, yes. I've become that other person though. I've learned to become more confident, but it's because of the relationships I've had and a lot more and stuff. But um, I think it's hard also because you don't know is there going to be something more? Is it? Is it going to leave me alone? And we get back to that whole discussion about what's uncomfortable about being alone. And we're used to always, some people I know are, they'll go from one relationship. The next thing you know, they're dating someone else. They're dating. Oh, yeah. I don't, and it's like they need that or it just happens. I don't know how it happens, but, um, and other people like, I think more like me, I can go without that constant attachment. I've got some of the, best friends in the world mm. live across the country. And I've, I've, I've kept those going over the years, but I don't need to see them every day or talk to them every day. It can be months, but the minute I reconnect with him or her, it's like we're continuing a conversation we left off yesterday. Oof. Those are the ones you'll, you'll they'll always be there at some point, at some level. 
for you. Mm, that's so good. When I mean, I felt myself get a little uh, teary-eyed when you just explained that because it really, really hit home about sometimes we choose people in friendship or in relationship of any kind to mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I hate this phrase, but in the Jerry Maguire movie, like you complete me. Like yeah, this like is phrase either, but like, right. <laughs> this is a, but you put it so much better than that of like, this is a trait that I haven't acknowledged or been willing to fully express in myself because I'm scared mm-hmm. or I haven't like chosen courage. So I'm just going to lean on this person because they've got it. They've got that thing. And so when we're together, I've got all the things. Yay. They can do it for me and I can be a part of it and I can like live my best life. So I think that's part of it. And I felt that really, 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 really deeply when I think about this one specific person. And I honestly like hearing you say that really helps loosen the grip in my own experience. It really, really does like, oh my gosh, because now I do have such a deep sense of self that knowing that component of it isn't true for me anymore is like, ah, you don't need that, Heidi. Like, it's okay. It got to be what it was when you needed it that way, but you don't need that anymore. Um, But I think the other part of this relationship piece is uh, the grip of letting go is what does this say about me? If I let go of this, it's the meaning-making part of us. We are meaning-making machines. And those stories and meanings that we wrap ourselves around, that's the grip, right? Of like, yes. this is what this, this is saying about me. This is what this is saying about my life. This is what it's saying about my worth and my value. All these things, when really, if we just lessen the grip and say, that's not, no, 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 no. Anything outside of myself isn't what it's saying about me. Stop making it meaning around me. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, And when I hear that, I hear the meaning being almost a negative. Don't make it important to who I am. Go back and think of your friendships and the ones that you're still close with. And you think about, okay, this person I, I hang out with because she has this trait. Okay, now go back. What trait do you have? Why is she hanging out with you? You've got to look at those traits in yourself and acknowledge them for yourself. Yeah. And realize you're not the only one that's being clingy. Some people are coming to you for that because I've had that experience where someone has said to me, you know, oh, I don't know what we get at. You get, I get out of this relay so much out of this relationship and I'm not giving you anything. I'm going, oh my gosh, don't you realize that? And I, I thought the opposite. I, so you have to sometimes have those conversations with those friends. And mm. I have had with some of them. I mean, I've, I've actually opened up and said, this is what I get out of our relationship. And I don't expect anything more mm. and stuff. So I think it, it, there's an honesty and a truthfulness that has to happen. The other thing is some people may not be ready for it. So be careful how you do it. Yeah. If you're going through this great metamorphosis and you're changing and you've just gotten divorced and you're going to don't overwhelm everybody. They're not going through it the same way you are. Yeah. And the same pace you are. And they may be going through something you're not even aware of. So be excited for yourself and express it, but don't overwhelm the people that are there to support you to mm. where you might make some disconnections there without meaning to. Mm, this is so good. Are there any like <laughs> what not to do's through divorce? Like, what would you tell people? Don't do this. Oh, 
from uh, after getting divorced or through the divorce? I'm not either, sure. What, either or. See, I, again, my situation was I saw it coming. Yeah. And I pretty much realized he went back to Scotland to visit his parents and I, or his mother. And I said, do some thinking. When you come back, you're either getting in a program or it's over. So yeah. while he was gone, I pretty much was dealing with it in my head. He came back and stayed sober for nine months. Now my head is dealing with what if he what if he stays sober the rest of his life? And I realize I don't even want to be with him anymore. So I had to be honest with myself about wait, this isn't it. So by the time he had that binge and he he knew and we, it was over. Yeah. I was I was ready. I knew I had led up to it. It wasn't a surprise to me. Yeah. Now, as far as what I do differently, I, I don't know that I would. I think I, I think maybe I, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it as far as who had been through similar. Yeah. I mean, my friends were there. Oh, we'll talk to you. We'll help you. But none of them had been divorced. Yes. My parents, my mom and dad had been separated. My dad had died by then, but my mom and dad. So, but it was close and she was supportive. But it wasn't until about maybe, Six, seven years later, I bumped into a childhood friend. We were both in college in our 40s, and we got to talking, and then she and I went to lunch, and I found out she was married to an alcoholic. Now, he was sober, so they were still together. But we had conversations where we compared notes, and I finally had someone to talk to about it who got it, who, who understood it. why I needed the divorce. I would say, yeah, boy, if you can find someone who gets it, whether they went through a divorce, a separation, uh, a loss of some kind, it doesn't doesn't matter where it's coming from, but get some kind of support, someone to listen to, a coach, call yeah. Heidi, <laughs> because being able to put it out there is a way of getting it out of your heart and your mind to where it's hurting you and it's bogging you down. Mm. And that's why as a writer, a lot of what's in my books is stuff I've written when I've been going through stuff. There's an essay in my book, Solitary Refinement. I can see it now. I wrote it the day after we signed our divorce papers and how I felt about it and what it meant to me. And I put it on paper. So you don't have to be a writer to do this. You know, you're not going to be graded on it. You're not going to, you know, be judged. But put it out there somewhere and imagine it leaving your heart and going onto paper or mm. record it somehow. Put it mm. in a journal. Those composition books from Staples are perfect for those kind of jotting down notes. That's what I would encourage someone to do if they're going through this and, and they feel the heavy heartedness, lighten yes. that load a little by just putting it out there, either talking to someone or talking to yourself and writing it. Mm, I love that because I always ask like, what's one thing that our listeners could start doing today mm. to start creating their comeback? And yes. I think that's it. You get it out of your system. Writing is so, so therapeutic and talking to people is so therapeutic. And what you said about talk to somebody who understands why divorce was for you. Yes. Putting it in that way is so beautiful because I always say like our grief needs to be seen and mm -hmm. heard. And if it's just tucked away inside and hidden, that's when the shame and the blame comes in and the embarrassment and all that. But when you can talk to somebody who's been through it, that gets it, that understands like, right, 
they understand what you're going through and, and that it was tough to make that decision. And that, you know, like all the things you had hoped for yourself and wanted for yourself and da, 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 da. And the list yep. goes on and on. That is truly, truly, truly why I created the comeback community. That's my four month community where they journey through healing oh, the heartbreak. Yes. Right. And it's yes. because like one-to-one coaching is so powerful, but group coaching is massively transformational because you have other people who get it. I love that you said that. You're hearing other people's stories, but you're also offering assistance. When you can give to someone else, they'll hear your story. Talking about when Stuart went away, I was in a support group while he was in Scotland, and a woman came into the support group, new to the group, and introduced herself, and she's got her 19-year-old daughter with her. And she said, I've been married for 22 years and my husband, and she's going on and telling her story. And all I heard was 22 years she's been putting up with this. And I added, I said, I'm 38 at 60. I'm not going to do this till I'm 60. So you have to put it all in perspective. I mean, for me, that was, I think that's when I decided it was over, but I had to go through the motions and honor the marriage and do what I needed to do. You're going to know when it happens that it's the right thing. Just trust that. Trust that. You said grief. It doesn't go away. You had asked me once about pain. The pain is pain is just there. Just like all of a sudden you'll feel love for something and, oh, you'll feel joy for something. Pain may come back. I can think of my mother today and start crying because oh, of yeah. the love we had and the pain of her loss. Oh. So it's going to be there and you'll think back to those days and wish that person were still with you. And and what you're wishing for are the, the dreams you had of your time with him. What you, I keep saying him, but as, as a woman, obviously there are men who are feeling this too. But, um, you know, you, you have to honor that, that, that it was real and that at the same time, you know, it's okay to let it go. It, it's okay to feel it a little bit. Give yourself a little time to reminisce about it and then let go of it again. Mm, so beautiful. And you know, you did say you'll you'll know when it you know, you'll know when it's time. And one thing I want to add to that is another mm-hmm. quote that I heard, which is sometimes the right thing doesn't always feel good. So it's okay if it doesn't feel good, but you know, with your whole intuition, even if you can't explain it, friends, because I couldn't explain it. And still to this day, I can't articulate it in any way other than a deep knowing that it was time. That's the best way that I can articulate it because people were like, you guys were great friends and we always hung out with you and you guys seem so happy. And we were. But something inside of both of us went, it it is not this anymore. And it didn't feel good, but it felt right. And that's so important. Oh, that's a good way to put that. I like that differentiation between, of course, it's going to hurt. Because if it doesn't, then you really shouldn't be together. (laughs) Yeah, then what's going on? That's just giving value to the fact that you did experience the love and there was something at one point. Yeah. And you're, you're pulling apart, but it's like taffy. It's it's still sticking together. There's still something there until it actually pops apart. Yeah. But it doesn't mean, you know, it wasn't valuable. It's just not valuable for you now. Yes, exactly. It, it was then. It was exactly. then thing. Don't live in the past. Yeah, don't <laughs> live in the past. And I love how your um, 
the initial part of your share comes full circle with you sitting at that support group going, I needed to hear somebody say those things. Yes. To make me realize and remember that I don't want a journey till I'm 60 in this. So I hope if there is anyone listening to this today and you're going, but I've only been married for four months or a year or four years like Susan, but that's what I needed to hear to get the permission that I needed to listen to my intuition, by all means, lean in because- absolutely. That's what you did. And I think that's a, such a powerful message. I have two closing questions that I always ask okay. everybody. And I know you answered them before, but you're going to answer oh, them because every day is different. Um, what's one thing that you love about you? <laughs> I forget what I said last time. So I, this will be spontaneous. I don't know. I love my fact that I will go back to the things that work for me. And that's meditation. I've always meditated mm. at least once a day in the morning. But recently, I started doing it more regularly in the afternoon, too. And so that to me, I love that I am willing to keep my meditation in my life the way I have. Mm. I get so much out of that. So I much. love that. That's so powerful. And then the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body? <laughs> I think I said I giggled last time, just like I did. Uh, joy feels like lightheartedness. It feels like I can move and do whatever I want. It's just a shrug of the shoulders and a smile. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. And I'm so grateful for you and your energy and your time here today. How can folks stay more connected, get more connected to you? Well, my book that just came out in April is called On Falcon Wings. And I call it a memoir. It's a number of essays and stories and poems, some of which I shared today, that offer a lot of the insights. I wrote this these pieces over my lifetime. Yes. And it's looking back in hindsight at them that I realized I had a story to tell. There's this is where I learned this when I was 25. And this is where there's the marriage. And so I would love to have people share that and get in touch with me. I have a website on falconwings.com that is in the final stages of development. So keep Yay. trying to open it and it'll be open soon. So um and then contact me through that. I'd love, I'd love, I'm available for book clubs. I'm available for organizations to talk about what we talked about today and other things like meditation and introspection and telling our own stories. That to me is important. Everybody has to tell their stories. I love it. And, and your book is so, so beautifully written. Thank I'm you. so grateful that you gifted me a beautiful copy of it. And we got a chance to talk deeper on it on in our conversation on the podcast from wise to wise. So if you love this conversation, you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that with Susan. She's just a, a wealth of knowledge. Every time we talk, I learn more about myself. I oh. learn more about this life and I learn more about you. And it truly, truly is a wonderful gift. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that, Heidi. And to all of our listeners, remember you are safe. You are loved. You are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. 
You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with your divorce planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.